crest towards Clanton. Um, turn around. I was driving down Clanton. I'm turning around and see if I can find him again. This is at Columbus, subject to 1074, electronic ID aware. NCJA 1014. Headquarters to 11 NCJA 1014. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the North Carolina Justice Academy 1014 podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Puckett. We've had an ongoing discussion about the opioid crisis in North Carolina, and it's certainly no secret that it's affecting uh, people of, of all races, of, of all genders. It uh, doesn't matter whether it's rich or poor, and it's also affecting communities from Murphy to Manio. And certainly when you hear counties along the coast of North Carolina, like Carteret, like New Hanover, like Brunswick, you're thinking, well, those are affluent places. That's uh, where the rich and famous go. That's where I go to enjoy vacation with my family. There are no problems there. And certainly that's not the case. So my guests today are from the Brunswick County Sheriff's Office, Jonathan Oliver and Sam Britt, and they bring a very unique program to the table. That's It's kind of catching on more and more across North Carolina. I know in, in one of our podcasts, we're going to be speaking with some folks from Alamance County who have a very similar program. We've talked with folks from Jacksonville and the Onslow County area who have a similar program, but everybody seems to have a, a very unique twist to what they do. And in talking with these guys, and the more that you listen, you're going to kind of have one of those aha moments where you go, this is a really cool program. Maybe this is something that we can try in our community. So hang with us for these next few minutes as we talk about the opioid crisis and the effects that it has on people and certainly on communities. So let's let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Jonathan, if you could, let's Let's get right down to the crux of this thing and talk about how opioids have affected the Brunswick area. In Brunswick County, we have definitely seen where opioids have caused uh, lots of overdoses, overdose deaths, strictly related around opioids itself. Um, We've also noticed that medicated pills have turned into a misuse street drug, which ultimately has turned also into heroin use. Mm-hmm. Um, the crime increase, the the crime increase as far as thefts, uh, all across the board, just people trying to supply their own habits of the no longer able to get the pills that they were once taking and now are using heroin. They also have, um, saying all this, the county itself has come together stronger than ever and created a lot of events and meetings with some high-end people throughout the county to try to help fix this problem. Right. So, you know, a lot of times I think we kind of take that term overdose for granted, uh, and we don't really think about that it's more than just the person who has overdosed. Mm -hmm. When you're tying up public service resources. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that and maybe if you have some numbers to go along with that, how how that affects your community as well. Well, as a whole, it, it affects EMS, fire department, the hospitals, ties up hospital beds, the whole nine yards when, when we've dealt with this opioid crisis because of the increase of first responder use going to every single call that 
five, six plus years ago wasn't so much taking place as it is the last two or three years up until this point. Um, hospital beds being filled up with subjects that are fighting the addiction of opioids and other drugs. Well, and I, and I think too, and, and this is kind of the dark side of the overdose, sometimes those overdoses result in deaths. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, that opens up a whole nother investigative arena to try and track that death down. And, and maybe you start following those strings of drugs as well. And I'm sure that's probably happening in the Brunswick County. Yes, sir. We, um, me, myself, and my partner, Sam Britt, as of these positions that we hold, we investigate all overdose-related incidents. So through that investigation, we do try to help the narcotics and the investigators with um, narrowing down where the supply may have came from. So, and we're going to talk more about those specific programs just a moment. So for those of you that are listening, hang on while we kind of get the overview going here. But there's some really cool things that are happening in Brunswick, and we want to be talking about those. So as long as you mentioned Sam, let's go ahead and bring him into the picture here so he doesn't feel left out. Sam, let's talk about kind of the the issues that, that you've seen within the community that have been caused by the use of opioids. And I know they're there's got to be more than one. I'm sure there are multiples, but maybe just hit on some of the highlights of the issues that you're seeing. Well, you know, the biggest thing is we we have had an opioid addiction uh, problem, Bob, but the biggest thing that we're fighting right now is just the addiction problem. You know, uh, we we did have a, a heroin problem in the past. 2016-17 was probably the height of our opioid crisis, but now we've kind of moved on to uh, methamphetamines, uh, more of uh, stimulants instead of downers um, <clears throat> but in the height um, in the hype of our opioid use we were seeing discarded needles found in public places uh, where kids uh, played in playgrounds uh, increasing crime domestics uh, like like Jonathan said overdose deaths and broken families uh, during this time a lot of families found themselves at a loss and unfamiliar uh, where unfamiliar place on where to turn for help. Um, that's when uh, the sheriff came up with the Anchor Initiative program in 2017, um, where it's it's all donation based uh, through his 501c program. So it doesn't come out of the taxpayers' money or anything like that. Um, it's all donation based, um, and pretty much we try to help people that have the the opiate addiction we have to find them a detox program um, and then after that that gives us three to seven days to find uh, uh, some type of rehab facility and the way that Jonathan and I've uh, worked we try to get to know the person kind of feel them out see what kind of personality they have and try to place them in some type of re- rehabilitation program that we think would fit their uh, personality and then after that, our, our long-term goal is to eventually find them if they need like a halfway house after they come out of rehabilitation and, and, and to help them find some, some type of job to get them back out into the, to the, to the world and, and be a productive citizen. Well, and that just goes to show how the wave has changed. I got into law enforcement in the late 70s, and you know our standard operating procedure for that was, and of course, we didn't have that many... ODs at the time too, but if you would, you kind of showed up 
EMS came, they loaded them up, they took them to the hospital, and that was it. You know, you never saw that person again unless you responded to that call for service again. So from from that standpoint, I guess it's easy to say that Brunswick County has taken on a, a more proactive role in the treatment side because what that does is that prevents that call for service again that you talked about earlier, that having to respond to that OD twice. And and you mentioned, too, the, the families that are affected by that. That's a whole other social service discussion. So I think when we talk about the opioid crisis, it's such a big picture. It's such a huge mushroom. And the fact that law enforcement is now beginning to see the light of treatment and and how important that is. Let's talk a little bit more about what that does for your community. If you're if you're getting folks who are who are being treated as opposed to the way that we used to do it, put them in the ambulance, send them to the mm-hmm. hospital. They may stay 24 hours. They may not. Boom, they're back out on the street. So, um, so sometimes what me and Jonathan do, we always get notified if there's an overdose in in our county, no matter what kind of overdose it is, whether it's opioid or alcohol or anything. And then we try to respond within 24 to 48 hours. We try to give that person a little bit of me time to kind of go through the process at the hospital and kind of get their thinking down pat. And then we'll respond to either their house or if they're still at the hospital, we'll go to the hospital and talk to them. We'll offer them the Anchor Initiative program. And a lot of times we're just they're just like, no, I don't need any help. I've got this under control. Um, but we'll leave them a pamphlet and say, you know, we're here for you. If you do change your mind, give John or I a call, and we'd be more than happy to respond and just talk to you at your residence, you know, in your comfort zone. Don't try to take them out of their comfort zone because we want them to be comfortable. We want them to know that we're here for them because, you know, you've been in law enforcement for a long time. It's all about customer service, you know, showing people that you care and showing them that you're there for. And and through that, you know, our county, we've you know, like John said, uh, we've had all these meetings, uh, community meetings, town hall meetings, back when WCT did a, a documentary in vain on uh, New Hanover County and Brunswick County uh, and about the opioid use in the in the counties. So, you know, when we had those town hall meetings and then after that, like I said, again, the sheriff uh, started the Anchor Initiative program and it's, it's, it's really getting bigger and bigger because we're going to all these meetings. The the There's a group called Back Off in our county. Um, it's uh, families that have started a a, a support group. Um, they they meet once a month in the in the southern end of the county, but anybody's welcome to attend. Um, we go and talk with them. You know they help us get the anchor initiative program out. Um, we use social media to get the anchor initiative program out, and and you know just through social media we've we've had people uh, call from everywhere. I think the furthest one that John has placed was from Vermont. And we, we, we help them out. I mean, it's, it, doesn't just, it doesn't just concentrate on Brunswick County. We, we go outside county lines, and we'll, we'll help anybody, you know, that, if that needs help. All right. So I want to back up for just a moment. When you talked about going into people's homes and going into areas where it's their comfort zone, you know, we know as cops that a lot of times when we are in people's homes, it's not by choice. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's, um, it can get a little aggressive depending upon who placed the call for service. But... What do you see as, as the general reaction? So let's just go off the top of your head, statistically speaking. Do you find that people are receptive more frequently than they are thanks but no thanks? A lot of people in Brunswick County didn't know about the Anchor Initiative Program. So when we go and explain the Anchor Initiative Program and, and tell them what it's about, they're like, 
wow, I didn't know you cared. We didn't know that the sheriff's office had this program or, you know, we, we just thought you were here to, as some people say, just to put us in jail and, and not care about us. But, you know, we do care. We do want to help them. We do want to get them in some type of a rehabilitation program, even if it's a, uh intensive outpatient program where they can go a couple times a week just to have that, that group meeting and socialize with people tell them about the uh, NA meetings or the AA meetings in the county and where those places are so they know that there is a support group to help them with their addiction. All right, so let's kind of start digging down into it. I've told our listeners a couple of times there's some really cool things going on in Brunswick County, and, and both of you have mentioned the Anchor Initiative Program. Jonathan, let's, let's get into the details of that and, and talk a little bit about it. And let's, let's go from, these, from the stages of infancy. How, how did it come to be? The Anchor Program started with realizing that this opioid crisis and this big heroin problem we were really in, in, in real deep with two or three years ago wasn't going to go away by just continuing the law. Of course, the old saying goes, you can't arrest it right, away. Right, you can't arrest the problem away. So our sheriff taking notice of that, him and a few more uh, come up with this anchor initiative program that they've sistered off of a uh from uh, nash pd at the time um nash pd had a sim a very similar program so we they went up there and met and kind of got their own little ideas and, and twisted it their own way and it started in 2017 and really got kicked off in 2018. me and sam started working this program in june of just june of this year this program is set aside solely to help subjects suffering from addiction get into some type of treatment, whether it's inpatient, outpatient, or just the knowledge of there is help out there for you. This is what's available. Because I think, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think sometimes folks who are in crisis like this, and that's that's what an overdose is. You know, when 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 folks overdose, it, it is an absolute crisis, especially when they start coming conscious again, if they've been Narcan or whatever the case may be. And, and, and I know that there has to be some time lapse in there. You know, you just can't immediately when you throw somebody Narcan going, hey, we're, we're the cops and we're here to help you. Yeah. So uh, I think what you're talking about is it's a process. Yes, sir. We, into it. we come in like, he was, like Sam was explaining uh, either later that day or the next day or shortly after and try to explain our program because a lot of times families, this is the first time that they've dealt with this issue in their family. So they don't have the research and the knowledge of where this help is and how to seek it. The subjects fighting addiction, they're stuck in a rut. All they're worried about is continuing their addiction habits. So they're not too much worried about looking for help until they've hit rock bottom and they've they won't help that's why we try to get the anchor out there so when they when that point comes and a subject solely wants to reach out and he knows he he or she needs help they'll know to contact the anchor because the anchor program has made contact with several hundred facilities in our state and outside of our state that are just phone calls or text messages away from help so developing those contacts we also like I said, we provide that knowledge for the subject and the family, but we've also provided transportation because a lot of times we have learned that these addicts may not have means of transportation. And 
on top of that, we also provide the funds through our nonprofit organization that we have because a lot of these facilities may just have an entry fee that a sole person uh, fighting an addiction that may not have the support from a family right away because they have went down this road for so long may not have the money in their pocket and we don't want them that to be a preventative measure from them getting uh, treatment so we we cover that also well and, and geographically speaking for those of you that are kind of that right brain like I am the transportation prong is pretty huge because it's a long way from Southport to Black Mountain so obviously if, if I'm an addict more than likely the other prong of that is I'm not working or I'm only working minimally so to be able to hop an Uber and go up to Black Mountain just outside of Asheville is a is a pretty expensive ride so I think that's that's a huge huge prong to it and I assume you have a lot of folks that take advantage of that yes sir we're on average if it's not both of us it's one or the other just going in one direction I mean from Greenville to the other end of South Carolina to uh, we've been all over uh, Jacksonville I mean we do try to stay within four or five hours <laughs> but we have there's been weeks that he's going one way and I'm going another way transporting people we also step out a little um, step out and try to help too if if we can get somebody placed into an anchor program and they still have pending charges in the court systems we will help facilitate through the attorneys and we'll help make it to their court dates if I've got somebody that I know has some pending court dates coming up, I'm going to try my best not to put them four or five hours away and for the sole fact that if I can't get their court date continued, I'll, we'll go pick them up. Me or Sam one will go pick them up, make sure they're at their court date, and bring them back. So that they don't have to worry about that and that much more hanging over their head. Right. We and just want them to seek the treatment. Yeah, and how huge is that? And so, again, I want to I want to go back to what Sam said. When you talk about transporting people four and five hours away, and yeah, I'm going to go pick them up and bring them to court, which means I've got to take them back again, no taxpayer dollars used. Correct. All private donations. All through uh, the Sheriff's Charitable Organization. Yeah. That's That, to me, is just huge. So there are only two of you and I happen to know Brunswick County is pretty large. So when you start talking about this program and the numbers of people that you're probably dealing with, how do you, how do you get the word out there? How do you market this thing? How, do, how does uh, a person who needs help know about this other than obviously the, the post-OD contact that you'll make with them? We're, I feel like we're just as busy. If we're not transporting, we're traveling to some facility nearby or having some type of meeting just to get the knowledge and the word out there of our program because we found that a lot of our contacts with these facilities have become more successful when we do a face-to-face -face contact so they know we're serious they know we're not just somebody on the phone because in times of need there's been several times that we need some help immediately trying to find placement so those face-to-face -face contacts have been very helpful for us trying to find placement in a last minute or desired need. We also educate all of our deputies. All of our deputies at the sheriff's office is aware of the anchor program. So because they're going to come in counter in into counter with the uh, the subjects out on the streets or in their homes or in their neighborhoods before we may. So they they have our information, they have our pamphlets, they try to pass 
pass those out and just get the word out is the big and I think that's why since me and Sam's got in these positions that it's been very busy it's been a very steady game um, because of the fact of just getting that anchor initiative information out there and what were you doing prior to coming into this position just out of curiosity I was working in narcotics for okay. the last eight years. So you had some idea of the volume of ODs and, and the volume of, I guess I should say, for lack of a better term, business that was out there awaiting you in this new position. So oh, this really didn't come as a slap in the face to yes, you, did it? Yes, most definitely. We've we've both been in narcotics for the last seven, eight years. and So we know both sides of it. And honestly, I could probably speak for him also for Sam also is since June I felt like I've made more of an impact in the community and from person to person by getting them help versus the last seven or eight years of law and on the law enforcement side of the narcotics well then again it's that model that we talked about earlier we we've changed that model we're no longer just hooking people up or putting them in the back of an ambulance. Uh, and the next time we see them in court, now the next time we see them is, is more of a positive encounter. And that, that, to me, just speaks volumes for law enforcement in general. You mentioned earlier about the training aspect. So I want to talk about the, the patrol guys for just a minute. And, and Sam, I'm going to kind of divert over to your side. Uh, obviously, you guys have been trained up. You, you know this stuff inside and out. You know how to deal with substance abuse. You know how to deal with mental health. But obviously, you're not there at every call for service. So what has the Brunswick County Sheriff's Office done to, to help its uh, – ladies and, and gentlemen who are out on the street who are who are there the, as the first responders or the first guys to get that call what kind of training have you offered them to, to kind of help bring them into the fold of mental health and substance abuse um you know <clears throat> we offer uh, drug and addiction awareness uh we also uh we're they're in the process of getting everybody at the sheriff's office with cit training our officers have been given uh naloxone They've been educated on the Anchor Initiative program. We do get calls a lot of times from officers, even from our narcotics division. Hey, you know, you might want to go visit this person. Just check them out. Um, you know, uh, and and we do that. Uh, and also our our deputies all the way up to the sheriff, they'll call us and be like, hey, go check on such and such, and 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 just see just from what we've been hearing or a family member's contacted us. Do you mind go about and just talk to them? And, and and the sheriff's office as a whole has been really res, uh, receptive um, to to the anchor program. Um, you know, just to, like you were talking about a while ago, uh, we've gotten contact with lawyers, with everybody's lawyers, and we've told them about the anchor initiative program. We met with the bar association in Brunswick County, explained the anchor. Um, a lot of times, our DA will work with people that. <clears throat> are like first-time offenders and stuff and and they want them to seek the the treatment side instead of just giving them some type of sentence whether it be probation or something like that if you go do this treatment we'll work with you on these charges whether it be uh dismissed or plea it down to a misdemeanor which helps the people in the long run um so i've seen our county change very vastly in the last four years from let's go let's just let's try to arrest the problem as you were saying to you know let's let's get the drug dealers put them in jail but let's also help the addicts that that don't need to be in jail let's try to get them back into productive citizens 
in the county and and throughout and and with around the county um because like like Jonathan said um you know we were always about let's go out here let's let's kick in doors let's stop these cars let's get the drugs off the street um let's try to get as much heroin as we can because every bag could be an overdose you know um and we you know back in 2013 14 a big seizure was probably a couple hundred bags 2015 it was thousand of bags uh 16 17 thousands of bags and now we've kind of seen that decrease and <clears throat> now we're starting to see increase of other substances that we're trying to uh, fight within the county uh, like i said with the addiction problem um, but as far as the training you know the drug and awareness uh, addiction awareness and the cit is a very huge um uh, programs um we're going to uh, actually we're actually getting ready to go to a uh a training in washington um, on capitol hill about pretty much something like the anchor program on how we can get uh our legislation to kind of show that show them that we have a problem and this is one way of combating the, the drug problem so you have a, a more specific role in the anchor problem that that you kind of oversee some of these folks that are coming into the court system and have an idea of who's going where and in which direction. So talk a little bit more about your specific role as kind of the, the surveillance guy or the overseer of some of the folks that you come in contact with. So I help Jonathan with the uh, Anchor Initiative program, but my primary job is I'm a surveillance officer for our treatment course in Brunswick County. We have a drug treatment court uh a mental health court, a DWI court, and a WOW court, which is called the Women of Wonder. It's an all-women's court. They, they have mental health issues and addiction problems. They're kind of more of your handful, as, as you say. Uh, you know, they're, they're really good people. They try to sometimes pull the wool over your eyes, but me having the experience I have, you know, I, it's, it's a little bit tougher for them because a lot of these people I've dealt with prior to taking this position, when I when I – came into the drug or to the treatment courts when I walked in I was like I know this person I know this person and they were like they're kind of standoffish because all they thought I wanted to do was you know just arrest them put them in jail and now they see a different side of us um, that we actually care we want to help um, I'll, I'll do home visits uh, give them drug tests uh, actually if I see them struggling I'll say what do you need like how can we help you uh i'll ask them do they have groceries for their kids for them and a lot of times if they say no i'll i'll reach out to our therapists that are in our treatment courts who know people uh and they'll 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 refer them to some type of food bank where they can go get food for free uh and uh certain stuff like that uh and you know that's a great point too and i'm sorry to stop <clears> you but I think from a general public standpoint, certainly not in law enforcement circles, but from the from the perception of the general public, when you say addiction, they automatically see some person kind of curled up in a fetal position under a staircase having shakes and quivers from withdrawals. But that's not it at all. We're, we're talking about families that, that you are going in and seeing mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and brothers that this kind of is is a huge picture but it dwindles down because if i'm in addictive crisis and i've got an 11 year old in my house 
what kind of message is that sending? So it's funny that you bring up children. Uh, a lot of times I'll ride around with donated toys in the back of my vehicle, and I'll ask the parents, like, do your kids have toys? Do they have the, the essentials they need? And uh, through our the people that I work with at the sheriff's office in the courthouse, um, their kids are, are starting to grow up, so they don't need the toys. So they'll donate the toys to, to me, and a lot of times I'll take the kids out to the back of the uh, – to the back of my truck with the family and ask them just to pick out a toy, you know, and they'll pick out a toy, kind of build that relationship that, sh- that kind of shows that we're actually here to help. We're not, you know, a lot of times I can't stand it when I hear somebody's parent, you see that cop, they're going to take you to jail or I want, I want them to take you to jail. We don't want that stigma anymore. We, we, want, we want to let everyone know that we are here to help them and their families, just not them, but their families. And, sure. and that can go a long way. Um, you know, we've, I've, We've done school demonstrations where people are like, you arrested my aunt or my uncle or my dad or my mom, and, you know, there's really nothing you can say, but, yeah, I did. Um, but now doing this, it's very rewarding to see those those child's faces and smiles and the family's smiles because a lot of times you, you I'll, I'll talk to a mother or father about their kid. I'll pull them to the side hey, you see them more often than I do. If they, if they are doing good, let me know. If they aren't, here's my phone number, here's my card. Call me and let me know how they're doing. And if, if they need something else, let me know so I can let our 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 therapeutic side of the treatment court know so we can kind of deal with that on the backside because they see them more than I'm liable to see them because I have over 100 participants in all these treatment courts that I try to visit, and I might not get by everybody's house that week um, just to do a visit or do a uh, uh uh, drug screen or, or any type of screen like that. But I try to give those people, if I've been there, some people's houses as long as two hours and some people's houses as long as 10 minutes. You know, just if they need to talk, I'm there for them. Which I think is awesome because it's that non-crisis contact. You know, we talked about the crisis of OD so much. But to be able to just, you know, walk into their living room, have a glass of tea, sit down and talk about, you know, how things are going where you know, or at least they know, there's no threat that I'm going to be arrested. Uh, and after it's, it's building reports. That's all it is. It is building relationships within your community one visit at a time. And just to feed off of that, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll give them my anchor initiative program because I know they know a friend. I'll be like, if you have a friend or anything that needs help, let them know that we're here. And they'll they'll call us and be like, hey, you might want to go visit such and such at their house. And John and I, if it's not one or both, one of us will go by and try to make contact with that person, just see what's going on. And it, it, we've been very successful in making those contacts and, and helping those th- their friends get into programs before they actually get into the court system and get into trouble by trying to get them into – uh, some type of rehab. Well, Jonathan, I'm going to head back over in your direction as we need to kind of wind this thing down. It's been a great, great discussion. I thank you both for being part of it. But again, from a law enforcement standpoint, we know that drugs just don't stay within our county boundaries. We know that it's it's multi-jurisdictional. It, it may start in Brunswick, but it may end up in Carteret, and it may end up in who knows where. Uh, is it safe to assume that you guys probably are, are working with other counties or you have some partnerships going with some of your neighboring counties as, as you continue the Anchor Initiative in Brunswick County? Yes, sir. Our, as I've explained earlier, our Anchor Initiative expands well outside of our county lines. And also, our, our sheriff gets along well with all of our 
partnering counties and we work extremely closely with all of our neighboring counties um, anybody from that area knows that our sheriff is on the aggressive side he's no slow leak when it comes to the law law enforcement side of it and we work together with other counties to have enforcement actions for those that that are just doing wrong and do need to go to jail um with checkpoints we help other counties with search warrants we help other counties with just problem areas that just may need some enforcement and just as a single county alone they may not have the resources so we combine and do it all as one um we also have uh on the other side of things we also have multi-county meetings talking about the opioid crisis and our addiction issues in each other's counties and through those meetings a lot of times county commissioners are involved directors of hospitals rehab facilities a lot of your uh, upper heads are, are there involved on those meetings and through that like I said that has definitely helped our anchor program because that's where we've also made some contacts to um we have probably helped just as many people outside of our county as we have inside of our county. Um, Which, again, I think is is awesome that Sheriff Ingram has said, okay, guys, let's take the gloves off here. Yes, this is sir. not just a Brunswick County problem. And definitely. We, he doesn't hold us back when it comes to helping anybody that's trying to, that reaches us for addiction. Well, and, and too, because – Brunswick is, uh, I guess, kind of a commercial area where a lot of folks come. They bring those problems with them. There's, they're not just bringing their luggage to your hotels and motels. They're bringing their addiction problems as well. Yes, sir, definitely. We, you know, during the summertime is definitely our peak, uh, peak time of the year, and, and the population in Brunswick County uh, more than doubles just during those summer months. And you have people from all over the world coming to the beaches. And for them to learn about our Anchor Initiative program just in a few days that they're theirs is our goal because that's why we get calls from Florida. We get calls from Vermont and all outside of the state just because even if I can't reach that person face-to-face, I can still help them over the phone, getting them linked up with our face-to-face contacts that we've already made at facilities. Well, gentlemen, this has been an absolutely awesome discussion, and I dare say you probably will get some more calls from some law enforcement agencies after they've listened to this podcast. Uh, Again, I want to thank you both, Jonathan Oliver and Sam Britt, with the Brunswick County Sheriff's Office talking about their Anchor Initiative program as our discussion on the opioid crisis continues. If you have suggestions for topics, please let us know what they are. You can email us at ncjainformation.com at ncja.gov. So again, if you have a suggestion for topics that we could bring into our podcast that would help you from a training standpoint, uh, just we're, we're out there to bring as much knowledge as we can to the law enforcement community. But obviously, we want to bring the knowledge that is most effective to the law enforcement community. So our email address, once again, is ncjainformation at ncja.gov. You've been listening to the North Carolina Justice Academy 1014 podcast. As always, stay safe. The next time you're on one of our campuses, please stop by the North Carolina Justice Academy bookstore. There you can find books, t-shirts, collectible coins, and much more. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. If you have any questions that you would like answered, 
please contact us. Send any questions or topics you would like to hear discussed to NCJA Information at ncdoj.gov. We're here for you.